I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapters 3 and 4 and the parallel passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. And then we're going to finish it off with Psalm 72. In 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 and 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verses 1 through 6, we find that Solomon kicks off his kingship with a big sacrifice. Verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 3. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. Now the parallel passage over in Second Chronicles chapter 1, written to the exiles during Ezra's time, in verse 1. And Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him, and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from Kirjath-Jerim to the place which David had prepared for it. For he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Well, here we see 1 Kings chapter 3 starts out with the marriage of Solomon to the daughter of the Pharaoh of Egypt. This was a common practice by government leaders during this period. It is a way to seal a treaty between two nations. I mean, are you going to attack your son-in-law? In Solomon's life, he participated in many weddings, not as the best man or as the groomsman, but as the groom himself. His 1,000 women became a significant weakness in his life, especially since he had taken wives from the heathen nations that were forbidden by God in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. However, Egypt isn't one of those forbidden nations found in that list. Let's look at the passage over in 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, 
ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. It would appear that this Egyptian princess was not Solomon's first wife. We need to compare that with 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21, and 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 42 and 43. Since uh, 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21 tells us that Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, that puts him at one year old when Solomon's 40-year reign began, according to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 42. Rehoboam's birth must have taken place before Solomon's ascension to the throne from a woman who was an Ammonite. Rehoboam became the next king of Judah. Interestingly, the Bible does not record Solomon having ever taken a Jewish woman as a wife, nor do we have a record of any other son except Rehoboam. There's one more item of interest regarding marriages to foreigners, which is worth noting here. After the return of the exiles from captivity, beginning in 535 B.C., the returning Jews later on, then in 535, were very motivated to recapture their former favorable status with God. In the process, we see in Ezra chapters 9 and 10 that they not only enforced the ban on foreign marriages, they agreed to banish those women in their midst who were on the forbidden marriage list. Funny thing, though, those exiles that returned included Egyptians on their no-no list. Why? Well, we aren't told. It appears that they were striving for an ethnic purity which superseded the command of God. Now, Solomon was a big sacrificer to the Lord. It's not clear whether 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 is a criticism of Solomon's practice of sacrifice or not when it says this, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. Now, here's what we know about the high places. Later on, those are clear references to altars for pagan gods, although that doesn't seem to be necessarily so here. So the real question here is whether or not God approved of sacrifices being made at numerous locations, or should they have been restricted to a single location as in the past? Now, you may recall that Israel almost engaged in a civil war over a second altar erected by the tribes east of the Jordan River back in Joshua chapter 22, verses 10 through 34. At that point in time, Israel was convinced that God would not tolerate sacrificing at multiple altar locations. David had uh, brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and pitched a tent for it there. However, the tabernacle built by Moses was still erected also. Solomon, after assuming his role as king of Israel, heads to Gibeon to make sacrifices there on the brazen altar. Well, a thousand sacrifices, actually. That's where God appears to Solomon in a dream, which we're going to look at in just a few moments. Now, if you'd like more information on the tabernacle, the two tabernacles, and the uh, Ark of the Covenant and the location when it was moved and why it was moved and so forth, then look at the article that I've written on the topic section of BibleTrack.org called The Tabernacle and Ark of the Covenant. Or you can just click on the link that's on the written notes of the study for today, and there's the article. 
Now we come to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 15, paralleled by 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 17. And here's where Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom. First, let's begin with 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. Now let's go over and read the same account in Second Chronicles chapter 1, beginning with verse 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me a king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. Then Solomon came from his journey to the high place that was at Gibeon to Jerusalem, from before the tabernacle of the congregation, and reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots, and twelve thousand horsemen, which he placed in the chariots, and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver and gold at Jerusalem, as plenteous as stones and cedar trees made he 
as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt and linen yarn. The king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. And they fetched up and brought forth out of Egypt a chariot for six hundred shekels of silver and an horse for a hundred and fifty. And so brought they out horses for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria by their means. Well, while dreaming, Solomon received a wild card answer to any prayer from God, just ask away. So uh, what did Solomon ask God for? More gold, more silver, bigger kingdom, bigger army? No. He asked God to give him lots and lots of wisdom. That's right, wisdom. God was pleased that Solomon didn't pray that God would line his pockets, so to speak, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself that thou mayest judge my people. Well, and then he gets awarded the riches too. Note Second um, Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10. Notice the specific kind of wisdom Solomon received from God. It was wisdom to, quote, judge my people. Huh. Certainly wasn't wisdom in choosing a new bride, or should I say brides. It was wisdom to judge the people of Israel fairly. That's the attribute for which he became famous. As a matter of fact, when Ezra wrote Chronicles for the returning exiles, he didn't mention the promise to Solomon of 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 14, which says, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. But why didn't he mention that? Well, it was probably because at that point in time, when the exiles returned, Ezra knew that Solomon had not fulfilled his end of that conditional covenant. We see that clearly in First Kings chapter 11. He didn't keep my or God's statutes and my commandments, God's commandments, as uh, he was commanded to do. In fact, Solomon's days were not lengthened, and his insatiable appetite for heathen women resulted in the destruction of his united kingdom after his death. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 14-17 through 17 emphasizes the extreme wealth of Solomon's reign in Israel. There's no doubt that Solomon knew how to go first class. We see this in less detail at the end of 1 Kings chapter 4. It's worth noting, however, that Solomon's lifestyle had been addressed several hundred years earlier back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 17. Now just notice what Moses had decreed back then, Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Now, I'm not quite certain what a multiplicity of wives would be. 
but I'm pretty sure a thousand is over the limit. Solomon's lifestyle, without question, violated the principles found in this passage of the Law of Moses. So then Solomon uh, test drives his wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 to 28. We don't have a parallel passage for this in Second Chronicles, as we didn't need to comment on this to the exiles. Verse 16, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwelt in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night, because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight, and took my son from beside me, while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman, whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O my lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Well, this story is probably placed here to demonstrate the kind of wisdom to judge that God had given to Solomon. Two prostitutes who lived together came to Solomon with a dispute. One had taken the living baby of the other and substituted it with her own dead baby. Solomon's solution to the dispute, dividing the living baby. Well, that horrified the true mama, but satisfied the phony mama. Go figure. Notice verse 28. It says, And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Well, people obviously marveled at how wise in judgment Solomon was. Again, let it be emphasized that Solomon's gift of wisdom from God was for the purpose of judging his people. Now, we see in 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, and again, this passage is not paralleled in Second Chronicles, 1 through 34, that Solomon had his own government style, beginning with verse 1. So King Solomon was king over all Israel, and these were the princes which he had, Azariah the son of Zadok the priest, Elahoraph and Ahiah, the sons of Shisha, scribes, Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilad, the recorder. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the host, and Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Azariah, the son of Nathan, was over the officers, and Zabad, the son of Nathan, was principal officer and the king's friend. 
And Ahishur was over the household, and Adoniram, the son of Abda, was over the tribute. And Solomon had twelve officers over all Israel, which provided victuals for the king and his household. Each man his month and a year made provision. And these are their names, the son of Hur in Mount Ephraim, the son of Deker in Mekaz, and in Shaabim, and Beth Shemesh, and Elan Beth Hanan. The son of Hesed in Araboth, to him pertained Sokah and all the land of Hefer. The son of Abinadab in all the region of Dor, which had Tephoth, the daughter of Solomon, to wife. Baanah, the son of Ahilad, to him pertained Taanach and Megiddo, and all Bethshean, which is Zartana, beneath Jezreel, from Bethshean to Abel Maholam, even unto the place that is beyond Jachniam. The son of Geber in Ramoth Gilead, to him pertain the towns of Jer, the son of Manasseh, which are in Gilead, to him also pertain the region of Argob, which is Bashan, threescore great cities with walls and brazen altars. Ahinadab, the son of Iddo, had Mahanaim. Ahimaaz was in Naphtali. He also took Basmuth, the daughter of Solomon, to wife. Baanah, the son of Hushai, was in Asher and in Aloth. Jehoshaphat, the son of Peruah, in Issachar. Shimei, the son of Elam, in Benjamin. Geber, the son of Uri, was in the country of Gilead, in the country of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and of Og, king of Bashan. And he was the only officer which was in the land. Judah and Israel were many, as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river into the land of the Philistines, and into the border of Egypt they brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. And Solomon's provision for one day was thirty measures of fine flour and threescore measures of meal, ten fat oxen and twenty oxen out of the pastures, and a hundred sheep beside hearts and roebucks, and fallow deer, and fatted fowl. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tifsal even to Azam, over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. And Solomon had forty thousand stalls of horses for his chariots, and twelve thousand horsemen. And those officers provided victual for King Solomon, and for all that came into King Solomon's table, every man in his month, they lacked nothing. Barley also and straw for the horses, and dromedaries brought they into the place where the officers were, every man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore." And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman, and Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beast and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of this wisdom. 
Now, you'll notice that both Zadok and Abiathar are listed here as priests. That was true at the very beginning of Solomon's reign, but Abiathar was relieved from his duties in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 27, leaving only Zadok as the high priest after that time. Solomon's leadership style seemed to differ from that of his dad, King David. He had distributed the responsibility out into 12 districts with apparently a looser hold by the monarchy over these districts. These 12 districts took a month each in providing for the needs of the monarch. Solomon's kingdom extended from Egypt all the way up north to the Euphrates River, referred to as the river in verse 24. It was short of Dad's kingdom on the western border, probably because of Solomon's treaty with the Pharaoh of Egypt. After all, he married his daughter. Remember in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, when God promised Abraham and said, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Well, the fulfillment of that promise seems to have taken place during David's reign and is the reality during Solomon's reign as specified here. That, of course, discounts the bit of land between wherever the border of Egypt was designated then to the Nile River, per the treaty with Pharaoh. If you're interested in knowing more about the uh, promise that God made to Abraham and what land it involved exactly, then look at my notes on Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, and 1 Chronicles chapter 18 and 2 Samuel chapter 8, which are parallel passages. Oh, just one more point about this chapter. We see some detail here regarding Solomon's accumulation of things. That, coupled with his 1,000 wives and concubines, makes him a big-time violator of Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 17. Let it be noted once again, Solomon's wisdom from God was specifically to, and I quote, "...judge my people," emphasized again in verses 29 to 34. Quite frankly, over his 40 years as king, Solomon nearly destroyed what his father David had built, but he was a very wise judge of the people. In Psalm 72, we see that David has some big hopes for his kingdom. The subtitle to this one says, A Psalm for Solomon. Verse 1, Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people, he shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. In his day shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, and all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall their blood be in his sight. And he shall live, and to him shall be given of the goat of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. 
There shall be an handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake the like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Well, the subtitle, the superscript to this one indicates that David is writing this psalm with regard to his son Solomon, though some have taken the superscript to mean that Solomon wrote the psalm. Actually, the superscript contains two words in Hebrew, the preposition El followed by Solomon. In the Old Testament, El has been variously translated as follows, sometimes to or add or in or in reference to sometimes of and even by. As you can see, based upon strict translation of the Hebrew text, the author of this psalm may be David or it may be Solomon. However, uh, note verse 20, the conclusion. It says, The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Well, hmm, seems as though David's the author to me indisputably, no matter what the scholars say. Now, the scope of this writing would indicate that David's looking way beyond his immediate heir, both in time and real estate. That being the case, many have felt comfortable viewing these verses as also applying to the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Realistically, when you analyze the world conditions outlined in this psalm, you got to agree that this scenario has not historically been realized at any historical point in time. Therefore, a fulfillment of this passage certainly must look to the future. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.